And the important point to understand for everyone listening, this changed my life, is to recognize that the way your psychology works is it just wants to confirm those deep-seated beliefs. It wants to match the external world and affirm your internal beliefs because it loves what's familiar because familiar equals certainty and certainty equals survival. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Patrick Cook. Welcome to Being. Kaylor Betts is the founder of the Mental Wealth Project, whose mission is to become the largest online community and resource for mental health in the world. Along with building the project to its highest potential, Kaylor is on a mission to show people how he went from barely being able to cope with the intensities of life to living the life he always dreamed of. Now, he impacts millions of people from around the globe with the Mental Wealth Project, its podcast of the same name, and Kaler's powerful one-to-one coaching. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Kaler Betts. If you're enjoying the content, please do subscribe to the show and get a new episode delivered directly to your device every Friday. And as always, I love hearing from you. So please do rate and review the episode on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whichever platform you prefer. Also, I'm proud to announce that the show is now available on YouTube. And you can follow us on our new Instagram page, at Being with Patrick Cook. For show notes and more information, head on over to being-podcast.com. Now, on with the show. Taylor Betts, welcome to Being. What is up, my brother? Oh man, I'm just I'm over here being, brother, and I'm uh, yes. I'm super pumped to be here, man. This is this is gonna nice. be good. Yes, it is gonna be good. So Kaylor and I met. Oh man, it's got to be two years ago now. We were both in a mastermind program together, and we kept the conversation going and developed a friendship um, based on mutual respect. I think you know I definitely respect you and your path and your your um, your calling. Uh, and your profession. Uh, we've spoken a couple of times and I've even appeared on your podcast. So it was high time we got the one and only Kaylor Betts on the Being podcast. So here we are, ladies and gentlemen. Fuck yeah, let's do it. Yeah, do. Yeah. So um, in, in full transparency, I've been uh, had a lot on my plate. So, uh, I mean, you know, I'm not fully prepared for this, but I think we were just discussing before we press record. That's almost better because we can just flow with it and see what comes up, you know, no script, no bullshit. Let's just, you know. You know, the, the number one podcast in the world is just that, you know, Joe Rogan, man. He, he turns on the mic and, you know, three hours later, <laughs> I don't think we'll go for three hours, but. Uh, How does he get away with that? Dude? Three hours. Hours, you know? well, well, here's the thing, Pat, is like the, I, I really think that the essence of why a podcast is so appealing to people and why, why they're gaining so much traction they have for quite a few years is because, because of that, because it's yeah. not formal, because it's not structured. And, yeah. you know, so one of the mistakes I made in my podcast early on is I thought I needed to be professional and I thought I needed to like, you know, fine-tune it and make it so romantic and it's like no man it's the fucking messiness that people it's the authenticity that people like exactly well speaking of the messiness and authenticity it sounds like your mic is a little muted is did you change something like a position or anything uh let me check is that okay yeah there you go okay let me know if it does it again okay cool yeah no that's perfect yeah the messiness nuts and all nuts and bolts right absolutely yeah yeah, totally, man. And I think people are more drawn to like the long form. You know, we've been so conditioned to be, you know, this short attention span, sound bites, you know, like, you know, immediate gratification. And people want real fucking conversations, like authenticity, right? That's yeah. a big reason why I started this too. A hundred percent. And it gives an opportunity to like one thing that comes to mind when you said that, Pat, is you know, I've had some people, we just talked about it before we got on, on live. I've had, I've lost some people in the last couple of months because I've been, yeah. you know, speaking some of the things that I believe to be the truth that the world needs to hear. And there, a lot of them are counter narrative. And, um, it's hard because on social media, everything we say is a generalization. So yeah, ever since I've been pushing out content, people love to pick every single thing you say apart, right? If you post a quote, <laughs> you know, if you post like a caption that has limited characters, like, you know, like I posted, uh, 
uh, one of one of the things recently. I mean, gosh, like it, there's been a lot, but one of the things recently was I just posted some uh, very like I, I think I called it unpopular opinions or unpopular principles of how to lead a good life or how to uh, create you know mental wealth, which is my right. brand, and. The first one was everything is your fault. Everything is your fault, right? <laughs> That's triggering as fuck, dude, for it's most people. It's triggering for, for, for some people, yeah, for sure. And But then, you know, it's a generalization. I said, or at least it's better to live in that way. Yeah. Uh, and then I said something about ownership. And, you know, really what that's conveying is just personal responsibility. Well, exactly. Uh, I was I, just going to say, you know, and, and you can't take that. Yes. And I understand that some people have, you know, and I got it. I had people who said, my husband punched me in the face yesterday and I have a black eye. So you're telling me that's my fault. And, mm. you know, it's like, no, th this is, I, I have limited characters on Instagram. I'm trying yeah. to provoke thought right? That's yes. what my ideas that I push out are, is I'm trying to make people think and I'm questioning the narrative that is out there. And, you know, and then I had the opportunity to explain that like, okay, you know, there is some exceptions when it comes to trauma and, and all these different things. No, I'm not suggesting that some of these things are your fault, but it's your responsibility. And that, that's where the distinction is, right? It's, it's not everything is your fault, but everything is your responsibility yes. on how you respond to it, how you heal from it, how you learn from it. 100%. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. So anyways, why I brought that up, Pat, is because be, you know, on these podcasts, you get an opportunity to expand on it, right? Because mm. with everything I push out there on, let's say my Instagram, I could do a weekend course on everything. Right. But you know, <laughs> like it's we're just making a quote. And, you know, so anyways. Yeah. So one of the reasons I admire you so much is that you have been through the trenches, like it says right on your bio, you suffered through depression, anxiety, panic attacks, ADHD, addictions, all significant parts of your life, and you've come out the other side. And so I wanted to sort of start there. It's like, when did that all begin? Like, were there any significant traumas that you experienced in your early life, or was it just something that come up, kind of came up in your life? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, look, as far back as I can remember, I dealt with depression and anxiety mm. before I even knew what they were. Like, I didn't yeah. know what anxiety was. I didn't know that I was depressed. I just thought that I, I thought I was different. I didn't assume that everyone went through these things. I really thought I was unique. Um, you know, do I know exactly where it came from? No, but I do know that, you know, our subconscious mind is, is, uh, there's no stage of our lives where our subconscious conditioning is more formed than from zero to six years old. Totally. So who the fuck knows what happened from zero to six years old, right? <laughs> I could have been like dropped on my, I could have fell on my head while I was alone when I was three years old. And, yeah. you know, that was traumatic and no one was there to help me and I was helpless. And I don't remember that. And that just, you know, instilled this belief that I must not be worthy and adequate and all these different yeah. things. Like who knows, right? Or I could have been, you know, born with the umbilical cord around my neck. And the first, you know, experience I had was, was, you know, suffering and lack and in, in, in the, in the beginning of my life, like who knows? Um, I, I, I did have a figure in my life that, uh, was pretty hard on me mm. <laughs> and that's, that's an understatement. Um, and you know, it was only out of their own kind of internal battles that they deal with. Um, and it put a lot of pressure on me. And I think what it did was it conditioned me to think like, okay, the way in which I feel adequate and enough is to please the outside world and to mm. please other people around me. Right. Yeah. And that was kind of the conditioning that happened. And I just felt, yeah, I just, uh, Patty, I don't know exactly where I came from, but like, I truly just walked around for my entire life up until genuinely about a few years ago. And now it's still there, but it's just, I'm more conscious of it and it, and I've healed a lot of it, but I just felt so fucking inadequate, man. Yeah. So unworthy. And to a point where I would do anything and I never took the time to be like, what do I feel about what I'm doing with my life? You mm -hmm. know, how do I like it? Is it in alignment with my highest truth and my purpose? No, I never asked that. It was just accomplish, accomplish, you know, do this, do that just so that 
one day people will give me a, enough love, care, and attention so that I'll finally feel like enough. That's totally it. And I, I was going to save this reflection or this question for later on, but I think it's totally um, valid right now is I had this theory and, you know, listening to people like you and through my own experience and my own clients that I've coached about where all of this comes from. And it's, it's a fundamental to the society, the environment that we all grow up in, right? Because we're all born like these blank slates, these beautiful, innocent light beings, you know, evolutionarily, we're, we're, uh, we're a blank slate in the sense that we're neuroplastic. We are designed to adapt to our environment. So we're conditioned, like you said, by our parents, by our guardians, by our environment on how to survive and what is acceptable and, and what isn't as far as behavior is concerned, right? And so, you know... Once we begin to become conditioned, we move further and further away from our truest essence, our, our highest self, right? And that becomes more and more painful over time to the point where it's so acute that we just, like, we're starting to lose our minds. We think we're alone. We think we're the ones, the only ones that are going through this. So that manifests in all the things you discussed, the depression, anxiety, panic attacks, addiction, right? Because that's pain of disharmony between who I'm supposed to be or who I'm being taught to be and who I am at the deepest essence is so, it's, it's so out of um, harmony that the pain there has to be addressed. And it usually manifests in these ways that we've discussed. Would you agree with that? Is like, is that, Similar to what you've experienced, man. That was poetic. Uh, that was very, very. <laughs> that was very well said, and it was very much in alignment with everything I'm saying. And it, it I would 100% agree. Do mm. you know? I don't want to sit here and say I know all the complexities of it, but um, I, I think it's really evident that yes, that is what's going on here. And no wonder we live in a society where m most people, I think, feel a little bit or a lot uncomfortable in their yeah. own bodies because all the time. Yeah, all the time we've been it's, and it's normalized. Exactly. We've literally <laughs> been conditioned and and this is where and look, I I almost kind of feel like an imposter talking about this because I'm not a parent and I never want to be mm. ignorant, right? I, and I know some parents that might be listening like, well, fuck, it's easy for you to say. I'm not yeah. saying this is easy, but I truly think that and I'm starting to learn about parenting because I know I'm going to be one. And I know that's that doesn't come with a manual, so I'm going to start <laughs> I'm going to start uh and and this is good because you're a parent, so you can you know add any of your insight on this. For sure, it comes from our conditioning. You know, like we are literally told, like you need to show up not in the way in which is your truest, authentic self. Like think about how a kid shows up authentically. It's fucking messy, man. Yeah, like, it's throwing things around. It's screaming. It's like you know emotional. Like it's crazy. And we literally say, hey. I don't like the way in which you're showing up. It's not convenient to me. Mm -hmm. I don't like it as a logical adult. I'm going to completely deny that the, the fact that your frontal lobe of your brain is just not even close to developed yet and you have no logical thinking and you're an emotional being. I'm going to yeah. completely deny that fact just because it's inconvenient for me. I'm actually going to do everything I can to make you not show up as your truest authentic self. And I'm going to, the way in which I'm going to do it is I'm going to starve you of my love, care, and attention by either mm. yelling at you or putting you in your room and ignoring you. Ugh, like, fuck, dude. man, how do we think that's a good way to condition <laughs> our chat? Like, we, so, so then, then a parent might say, and Pat, I would love your input on this, but like, then a parent would say, well, like, well, what else are we supposed to do? Right. And it's like, yeah. yes, obviously you have to discipline, you have to prepare them for the real world, but we can't shame our children for showing up as their truest authentic self. Right. Like mm. we need to at least say, I hear you. I understand you. And then talk to them in a, in a way that evokes emotion and gets to their their emotional because kids are emotional beings and yeah. say something in a way that caters to their emotional side and you know really walk them through like why you can't do that right and yeah. then educate them on what the consequences are of their decisions and then empower encourage and incentivize even making the right decision, right? And then yeah. have them have to live with the consequences uh, unless it's dangerous. But because that's the way the real world works. So if you want to prepare them for the real world, that in my opinion, that's what you do. 
Yeah. Well, I- interesting. And I, th- I would go, well, first, let me say that I'm guilty of all of those things that you said, <laughs> because, you know, I, I was an unconscious parent, you know, and, and there's no there's no blame here. It's like every parent, there's no manual. You do the best that you can. And you're basing what your parenting skills are like based on what your parents did. So it's handed down generationally. But the thing is, we never question it. Right? We never question, is this a good method for raising our children? And so it just continues on generationally. And now we have this entire society that's built on this collective trauma that we're continuing to perpetuate, right? And it doesn't align with, you know, we, we're tribal primates. Like we come from small tribes for 99% of our evolution. That's how we lived. And so children would be running around. They'd be causing shit and it's okay because there's a of us to take care of the kid, right? There's not one of us or two, you know? And so it, it, evolutionarily, it's totally different. Like we're not designed to live in the circumstances in the ways that we are right now, completely isolated from each other. Like not even knowing your fucking neighbor, you know, that's not in our, in our best interest. We're community, we're tribal, right? And so again, coming back to it's the environment, which is the problem, like raising these kids to fit in with the real world. We're just perpetuating the trauma. You know, we're perpetuating the stereotypes and the, the bad behavior that leads to addiction. It leads to depression and away from your truest self. So again, it's like, how do we um, change the system at large is the bigger question. But I think for me, it comes back to individual responsibility like we started with. Okay, let's recognize, first of all, that we are out of alignment with our higher self, with our truest essence. We're operating from conditioning or from trauma, right? And start to work with that, start to bring it to the surface, start to heal it, start to transmute it, right? And as individuals, if we all do this work, which is why I respect people like you that are doing this work, helping people to find their trauma and heal it, then we become empowered to live in community and to communicate in community to make bigger changes. So it's a bottom-up model rather than a top-down. Would you agree with that? 100%. And to take that a step further, let's look at the way in which we change, because I agree, we could look at how do we change the bigger picture, quite honestly, mm. and and systemically and, and the world collectively and society. I don't have those answers yet. Maybe one day mm. I'll run for office and and I'll I'll <laughs> I'll try and instill those things into society. But I'm, I'm I'd vote for you, brother. <laughs> thank you, bro. Thank you, bro. Guy who didn't even graduate high school for for prime minister or president. Yeah, but um, that fucking doesn't matter. That's I know. you know it's conditioned education too. It's, it's just, my advantage. Yeah, hundred <laughs> um, percent. But I'm with you in that I think the only thing I'm focused on is not only taking my own responsibility for what I can do to change, you know, at least what I influence um, Mm. and then help put this message out there. So hopefully other people will take responsibility. But let's look at the way in which we change that conditioning is in the same way in which we developed it. So we developed it in our upbringing from our environment and our experiences, which gave us evidence, like you said, we're a clean slate. It gave us evidence to then formulate core beliefs about how the world works and who we are as a person. And the reason why we develop those core beliefs in our upbringing is because we need to have some sort of code in our subconscious conditioning that we run off of 95% of the time that is basically autopilot program that we're just running off of for survival, right? Mm -hmm. So it's almost like we're a hardware, you know, we're a computer and the subconscious mind is like a hardware. So those core beliefs are the code right? And we just run off of them. And the important point to understand for everyone listening, this changed my life, is to recognize that the way your psychology works is it just wants to confirm those deep-seated beliefs. Mm. It wants to match the external world and affirm your internal beliefs because it loves what's familiar because familiar equals certainty and certainty equals survival. It's what's Mm. kept us alive for so many years. What better way to stay alive than to just continue doing what we've always known to be true Mm -hmm. and what we believe internally. That's what's familiar. So then when you understand that, then you understand why we may self-sabotage and why we may like throw away shit and get in our own way uh, that we actually really want. Um, So those core beliefs though can be changed, right? That's the good news. And the way in which they're changed is, okay, well, if they were developed in our upbringing through our environment and our experiences, which gave us evidence that made us formulate those beliefs, then we change them in the same way. We got to change our environment and our experiences with repetition 
we, we can't just do it. You know, neural pathways don't change and get solidified overnight. They got to be mm. solidified over time with repetition, but we got to change our environment and our experiences. We got to disrupt the pattern and the conditioning we've been living in our entire lives. And that gives you new evidence. And mm. it's even as something as simple as like, well, look, affirmations aren't the worst thing in the world, right? Like if you, I deal with people all the time in, in relationships that are toxic and they get told something over and over again. And guess what? They start to fucking believe it. So <laughs> of course we can actually do that shit to ourselves, right? This ain't fluff. This isn't sunshine and rainbows kind of stuff. Affirmations aren't the worst thing in the world. The environment you, you know, surround yourself with, right? If you live in Costa Rica, you probably have a, that's going to do something to your nervous system. It's going to give you different evidence than if you're up here in fucking Canada during COVID. And, you know, it seems like the apocalypse is happening, you know, and watching news, right? That's going to condition you, the people you hang out with and talk with. I don't talk about anyone. I don't, sorry, I don't talk with anyone unless they're high vibe, Mm. right? Um, and if they're one of my clients, I help them have high vibe, you know, yeah. presence. So we got to change our environment and, and condition uh, and experiences, sorry, to give us that new evidence and that changes our beliefs. Mm, yeah. Now, what you said about your core beliefs, you just want to reaffirm them, right? And so whether, and then even if new evidence is presented that goes contradictory to your core beliefs, you will push it away. And that causes what it's called cognitive dissonance. And it's so fucking painful to be presented with evidence that contradicts your core beliefs that regardless of how true it is or where it's coming from, you will push it away. And this is why we're so easily manipulated at scale. You know, take the last year, for example, you know, like if you've been listening to the mainstream news, which is, you know, propagating fear 24 seven it's going to put you in that survival mode, in that fight or flight mode all the time. So you're out of your executive function. You're out of your critical thinking. You're in that reptilian fight or flight and you go back to those survival instincts, right? And so you're easily manipulated in those, you know, whether you believe that there's, you know, malevolent forces at play manipulating us or not, this is the truth. When you're in fear all the time, you are going back to your survival instincts and that's, not good for anybody because you're not in your truest expression. You're not in your highest self, in your executive function. So, and and that's that's what makes us feel safe is aligning with those core beliefs. You know, like once you have some core belief about your self identity that you're not enough, you're inadequate, mm. you're unworthy. Um, and this is a mind fuck for a lot of people, but we actually would rather confirm that belief then have to do, I guess, at, or live in the, the opposite narrative of that because that's what's safe to you. It's what's familiar. It may not make you happy, but at least you know what you're going to get. Yes. Right? At least you know what you're going to get. And you're, you know, Homer Simpson said something on, on, on The uh, Simpsons one time that is exactly how your subconscious thinks. He says, trying is the first step towards failure, Right. So <laughs> totally, you know, like, so oftentimes our subconscious will, will rather just, you know, not even try because the other part of it too, is once we open ourselves up and we actually go out and we go for something that we want, we get something that we want. There's an incredible amount of responsibility and vulnerability in that because now we have everything to lose. So, mm. you know, it just wants to keep you safe and aligning yeah. with those core beliefs and not really going for too much is is actually to your subconscious more safe and it's what keeps us in our our comfort zone the other thing i want to touch on as well too that you said was the cognitive dissonance thing you know i think we act out of emotion and we justify with logic Mm -hmm. and nice there's logic to everything we can find evidence to, to anything you can find evidence that like having some wine every night is good for you because there's polyphenols in it even though you got to drink like you know three bottles to get enough to even make a difference or it lowers your blood pressure or whatever okay how about you just live a life where you don't need to lower your blood pressure take take some deep breaths maybe <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> so yeah the cognitive dissonance thing is is big right we 
We act out of emotion. We do what's convenient and what's convenient is familiar. And then we mm. just justify with logic. And you can find, you know, even if you're a smoker, you can say, well, fuck my uncle Jerry lived till he was 99 and he, yeah. he smoked every day. And it's like, it doesn't mean you should smoke. It, it's it, life is a game of probabilities, man. And it lowers your probability kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another thing that came up for me is, is identities. Cause when we're, when we're conditioned into a society that rewards certain pathways. So in the Western culture, at least it's, you know, go to school, get good grades, uh, be obedient, go to college, get good grades, house, car, wife, children, job, career, retirement. That's the path. That's the success path to happiness. Right. And it's always the carrot, one more step, one more step, and then you're fucking dead. You know, and I think I definitely followed that and I was very successful, you know, by all metrics and I achieved all of those things. And to some extent I was very happy, you know, I had a wife and two small kids and, um, but there was something missing, you know, and this, this, it was that disconnection I was talking about earlier between my truest essence and, you know, who I was taught that I was supposed to be, right? And that disharmony, that disconnection caused me this deep pain that I would medicate with alcohol because I was like, fuck, this is too painful. I don't understand it. But then when I faced it, it was like, okay, there's this identity that I've built up based on these core beliefs that were conditioned into me that following this path will lead me to success. So I built this identity of Patty, the party guy who's a musician, blah, blah, blah. But I had to move away from that and just allow it to die, allow it just to dissipate like an ego death. But that pain of realizing, okay, wait a minute, I'm not this person, who the fuck am I, is way more uncomfortable you know, and painful for a lot of people. That's why they don't do it because the unknown, the uncertainty is so painful. It takes that leap of faith. But when you do that, I want to say to the audience, this is key. When you summon the courage to let go of who you thought you were and to let your ego and your beliefs die and to reevaluate all of your conditioning, that is the first step to ultimate freedom. Because you're no longer a slave to those old thoughts or those old emotional wounds or those patterns, those beliefs, those addictions, and you can release all of it. You can let go. And that's what surrender is for me. I even wrote a whole fucking album called Surrender based on this idea, right? But the pain of letting go of that identity and moving into the uncertainty is so um, acute at the beginning, which is why most people will choose to stay in their identity, even if they're unhappy, even if they're addicted, because it's what they know. It's familiar just like you said. But on the other side, if you have the courage to take that first step, it only gets better and better and better. And that is the pathway to true happiness and true creative expression uh, and true fulfillment, in my opinion. Mm, man, that's so beautiful. I, I mean, I think not enough people ask themselves, who, who could I be? Who do I genuinely want to be. And the key word in that is I, I think everyone mm. is, you know, that identity that you created, you know, the, yeah. the sex, drugs and rock and roll kind of guy <laughs> or whatever, right. you know, like that is the identity I believe often, well, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think most people have those identities of like, who do I need to be yeah. to feel validated, to get totally. love, care and attention so I can feel safe in this world. That's it. That's it. That's 100% it. Yeah. And, and not enough people ask like, okay, if I ditch all of that, all of those ideas, like who could I be though? Who, who do I want to be? And it seems like such a basic question, but man, I lived, I, I mean, I lived like 27 years of my life without even asking me, myself that question. And, <laughs> and it all happened subconsciously. I wasn't even aware of it, but I think it's also primal. Like I think for most of human history, happiness meant safety and just survival like yeah. so i think we live in a completely different world and i think this is really important to acknowledge is that for most of human history if we weren't accepted into our tribes and our communities we were thrown to the wolves yeah and Simple you die as that and yeah. you die and and it was enough to just fit in and have you know make your place in your tribes and your communities keep your kids safe and that was probably enough to bring joy to regulate your nervous system to feel happy you know most of the time until something horrible happened you know but we live in different times that's not good enough it's 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 actually 
completely, I would say, I would just say, call it a disservice. A, a, that's an understatement. It mm. is a complete disservice to anyone in this world to just survive. Mm. That is like not enough nowadays. I'm sorry. I know some people will say you're a dick for saying that. You're privileged. You call me whatever you want. Yeah. It's not enough, at least if you're watching this podcast, right? Yeah, because I totally there agree. Are, there are some places in the world where <clears throat> surviving is just enough. But let's face it, you're watching this podcast, you're most likely in a position where that's not enough. And you need to actually take a second to look at who do I want to be? Right. And if I was looking back on a rocking chair, 95 years old, and I was reflecting back on my life and I knew my, my last days were here, um, what would that future version of yourself say about what you're doing with your life? And mm. if that person wouldn't be satisfied or be proud, uh, be lit up and, and, you know, content with the way you lived, um, you got to make some changes. We are in extraordinary times and facing unprecedented challenges. Never in history have we been so connected yet so divided at the same time. Now more than ever, there's a fundamental need and desire for us to come together in community and collaboration, to experience real and authentic connection with our fellow human beings, to be part of a tribe of people who are doing the challenging work of making sense of the world and their place in it to have a safe place to be vulnerable and get the support we so desperately seek as we navigate the complexity of modern life. This is why I've created The Chrysalis, an exclusive online community for people who are doing the deep work of personal development, of awakening, of healing, of peeling back the layers of conditioning and unconscious programming and unleashing their full creative expression through the discovery of their life's purpose. This is for the people who have the courage to say yes to life and to becoming the best version of themselves for their own benefit and for the benefit of all. This private membership group will be hosted away from the prying eyes and ears of the big tech platforms and will feature live group coaching calls, exclusive content and trainings, plus guest speakers, workshops, and more. At its essence, the Chrysalis is about coming together in a thriving community with the shared intention of co-creating the future that we all want to live in. If this resonates with you, go to enterthechrysalis.com for more information and to reserve your spot. Chrysalis is spelled C-H-R-Y-S-A-L-I-S. So that's enterthechrysalis.com. Now, back to the show. I want to come back to what something you just said about just fitting in. And I think that's completely true now in our society. We've gone into these, you know, uh, neo-tribal uh, communities of like, okay, I'm, I identify as Democrat or liberal or Republican or gay rights or, you know, Black Lives Matter, whatever it is, these different tribes, and they're all in a culture war, you know, but we're entering those tribes out of fear, out of scarcity, right? Back in our history, when we're in a tribe, it's like, it's not, you know, okay, how can I just stay in the tribe for my survival? Yes, but how can I contribute to the, the, the growth and the, um, the progress of this tribe as well? Which means, okay, how can I express my unique gifts that only I have that benefits the whole, right? So it's a more, it's a more positive approach to it. It's like, okay, you're not going to throw, you know, the big strong guy in, into the nursery to take care of the children. He's going to go out and hunt. Like that's a crude example, but everybody would be using their unique gifts to contribute to the whole, right? So it's operating more as a, as a symbiotic unit, right? Which is what we've moved away from in our current iteration of these isolated little humans banging against each other, competing for money and resources. It's ridiculous, right? So the model I envision is moving back to a sort of a tribal um, basis in which, you know, you can liken it to the cells in the body, like each cell of a body operates as an autonomous unit. It has its own agency. It has its own sovereignty. It has its own boundary. It has its own ability to replicate. Like that's, that is like a human being, right? But it's also part of a larger system. So the cells in the liver, for example, are not just doing whatever the fuck they want at the expense of the liver. No, they're contributing to the whole liver, right? And by extension, the whole body, Right. And so how do we move back to that? Okay. Yes. I'm going to express myself and do what's best for me and the whole at the same time. Right. So moving into these tribes, like we're in now, we're just 
fighting against each other and there's no symbiosis. And that's why we're seeing so many of the problems, right? So my goal is to, okay, how do we first create healthy cells, healthy individuals that then will be um, embodied in their purpose in a way that's good for them, their full expression, their full growth, their full potential being realized, and what's great for the, great for the whole as well, right? And so that's, that's how we do it bottom up. Man, that's such a good analogy. I, I <laughs> the, the cells of the body. I can't take I can't take full credit for that. But uh, Daniel Schmachtenberger, I think, is who I heard that from first. And but it's just a beautiful like we already have all the information. Like the body is the model, you know. And we're living out of like we're cancer cells basically right now. Well, I yeah. You- I, I mean, you brought up. I'm so glad you brought up like the um, yeah the Democrat Republican the you know all these mm. groups that were were really attaching to like ideologically just so tightly and. You know, I, I think that, um, look, I'm, I'm all about like aligning with a mission. I mean, I'm mm. fuck, man. I'm that's, that's, I think one of the most, uh, important things to living a good life is to have, I think everyone's looking for peace and purpose in, in yeah. the world. Um, and so it's important to have purpose, but you know, I think what's missing out of what you just said is I think it's important that everyone have a mission. Like, sure you know, fight for social justice. If that's the biggest mission that you have, um, fight for gay rights. If that's the biggest mission you have fight for veganism or, or carnivore or Demo, you know, like uh, I, the Democrat Republican thing is, is something I, I kind of struggle with. Cause I think you should hear the issue before you make up your know, mind mm-hmm. on what side you're on, but you know, like identify with a mission strongly, but I think what's missing and, and what would really make everything better is if, you know, people aren't listening to mm. each other, right? People are uh, attaching so tightly to their ideologies out of fear and scarcity, like you said, and lack. Mm. And it's making them feel safe because they're accepted into a tribe that if the world goes to shit, that will fight for them and and they'll fight for them as well too. But I totally. think that, you know, we have to, like, that's the answer, man. This is why I fight cancel culture so much is it's because like, I think it's one of the most toxic things. I think it's one of the most dangerous things that we face as a society is it's like, you know, talk, you know, a carnivore should talk to a vegan, you know, a Democrat should talk to a Republican, you know, someone who's in Black Lives Matter and and is really passionate about it should talk to a conservative that like questions what their deep intentions are at the end of the day. Like, we just need to to listen and not hate the other side and realize that like we were one experience in our life away from having the same ideological perspective as the other person on the other side one experience mm. yeah right we're, we're where all were you, same. where are you born yeah yeah and and we're just <laughs> and to get a little bit deep and spiritual like we're all just a being you know yeah um that's all the same. We're, we're, we're all the same at the end of the day in terms of, you know, what we're made up of. We just have all of these, you know, all of these, uh, ideas and thoughts and emotions in the way that come from just like we just talked about our conditioning, but they don't really have any substance. They're not, they're not real, man. Like, yeah. So when you really look at it that way and you look across and you see, like when someone gets mad at me on social media, I see a human that's just like hurt. Right. Because it's like, you don't even know me. Like, you don't even have my phone number. Like, we've never even had a conversation. And you're literally calling me a dangerous man, or you're saying that I should, you know, be banned or canceled. And it's like, man, like, what are you going through to mm-hmm. feel the need to bring that energy right now instead of saying, like, hey, Kayler, I see the world in a different way. Teach me more about why you see the world differently than me. And let's have a conversation about it, right? That's one of the most beautiful things in the world. And I'm sorry, you know, I get called a narcissist a lot, actually, from my critics and my haters. And it's funny to me because one of the number one principle or uh, things that are associated with a narcissist is entitlement, right? We think we're entitled to everything. I don't think there's anything that's more of an example of entitlement than what you, you know, I don't see the world in the same way that you do. And therefore what you said really hurt, hurt and triggered me. Therefore, I don't think you should have a voice because it's not convenient for me. <laughs> That's it, dude. You nailed it. Totally. 
Well, I, I think this comes back to a couple of things that came up for me there is that we have no shared base sense of reality anymore. In the digital age, in the social media age, where you have AI algorithms curating your feed based on your existing biases, whatever you click on, you, you know, by the time you've clicked 10 times on Facebook, the AI knows more about you than your fucking spouse does. Right. And so it's curating. Oh, Kaylor likes Black, Black Lives Matter. Well, let's give him more of that. So you get pigeonholed, forced down that rabbit hole further and further because it, whatever's going to keep you more outraged, more engaged, more emotionally hijacked will keep you on the site. And when you have an ad revenue model like Facebook does, guess what's going to keep you on the site? That outrage. Right. And so you multiply that by how many billion people are on Facebook. Everybody has a different feed. Everybody has a different. Uh, perspective on what base reality is. So when we come to communicate, it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I can't even see you because my reality is completely different than yours. Right. And so this is a, this is a root major problem. And, but, and let's just acknowledge, sorry to interject, Patty, but let's acknowledge how dangerous that is. Super dangerous. We're talking about top five thing. And I think about, the threats of not not often because I don't want to live in 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 fear, but I think often about how vulnerable we are. You know, just as a society and the globe. You know, you talk about nuclear war, climate change, uh, viruses that are becoming more and more you know likely to to happen. There's asteroids. Like, there's a lot of things. Like, you know, the power, power grid can go out. You know, cyber warfare, terrorism is coming up. Like, there's a lot of a lot of shit. Yeah, but. Probably one of the top five things that that scares me, and that's not that's that's not to be understated because there's a lot of things to worry about. Top five for me is one of it is is what you're talking about right now. Yeah. That that we're becoming increasingly more divided because of those those algorithms that create echo chambers that make us see the world completely differently. And look, there's nothing more that the ego loves than to have its opinion about itself confirmed. And we already mm. talked about you know, our, our core beliefs and our subconscious, it just wants to confirm those core beliefs. So if we develop the core belief of being a part of the liberal party, then, you know, we just want to see other people confirming that. And it's like a drug, man. It like sends like shit up our veins. It just like calms us (laughs) down. Like, Oh, okay. Dopamine. (laughs) Yeah. It's that dopamine, man. And, and it's, it's very, very dangerous. And, um, I'm very committed to helping people be able to like put themselves in like look we can get triggered i get triggered sometimes my heart rate elevates when someone says something to me or or i see something posted that but i have like a a rule where i you know i i need to become conscious in that moment because when you get Mm. triggered it's that unconscious program that subconscious program that comes up and you got to just take a deep breath and like analyze like what am i feel oh like oh there's anger like oh my ego doesn't like that and why and then unpack it like where's that coming from where did it stem from and then like and then empathy you know so you know rationalize a little bit think objectively about it once the emotion subsides once your heart rate goes down and then think a little objectively about it and then have empathy and compassion for that person and be like you know what i'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and assume that they don't mean to hurt me. And even if they did, well, hurt people, hurt people. So mm-hmm. they must be going through some shit and it must be their own internal demons that they're just projecting out onto me. And now I just feel fucking sorry for that individual and I want to help them. And if we all adopted that, not to make me sound like some noble, this has been years of, I say this with <laughs> humility and it's not always easy for me to do, but that would make the world, that would bring world peace probably more than anything right now. Hundred percent. I totally agree because what we're talking about is cultivating self awareness. It's bringing the unconscious into the conscious so it can be scrutinized, right? Yes. And the the embodied trigger is a great way to recognize when you are triggered. If you somebody says something to you and your heart rate goes up or your shoulders get tense or you get a little hot and flushed, that's a perfect example. It's like okay, here's a trigger. Here's something in my unconscious that I need to look at, right? And so, like you said opening that space, I call it widening the gap between stimulus and, and reaction, not just response, because right now they're they're on top of each other, right? Mm, and, but like it takes, that. yeah, and so, um, and, and yeah, I, so. Let, let me add something to that. 
Yeah. And this is something people don't like to hear either. It's not like we got to take personal responsibility here. When something triggers you, it's time for you to grow. Totally. Not, not them. Like, yeah. <laughs> like don't fucking give someone else the keys to your inner peace. Like, yes, it, they're fucking words, man. You know, like, yeah. you know, and, and you will live a victim for the rest of your life if you let other people's words, you know, so when something triggers you, it's just trying to teach you about something internally that's, you know, that's, that's there that needs to, that needs attention and awareness. Yeah. And it's usually a childhood wound. So it's a wounded child that needs attention and that gets triggered and you want to protect it by externalizing anger, right? So when you are triggered, I read the science on this, the, it's the physiological response. It takes you a full 18 minutes to return to homeostasis. So if you feel that you're triggered by something or someone you're having a conversation with your spouse or your loved one or whoever it is online, whatever it is, and you feel triggered and you feel you're tensing up and you just want to fucking kill them, just take a step back, take some deep breaths, wait 18 minutes before you respond, <laughs> at least 18 minutes, because then you'll come back down and then you can scrutinize whether what your response wants to be, or maybe it's no response at all. Yeah. This ties into something you said earlier that I want to address is that having a sense of mission and purpose in life, and this is fundamental to my core teachings. Yes, purpose is so important, but if you haven't done the work to look at your shadows, to look at your traumas, to look at your conditioning, you can be operating from those traumas, from a place of lack and place, place of scarcity and fear and going out in the world trying to alleviate that, right? And so if you are a social justice warrior, you haven't done the inner work, you're going out and trying to do something good, you'll be sort of projecting your fear, your anger, your hurt onto the world and probably making it worse. You know, you might be making this one sliver of a thing better, but you're externalizing all this harm, right? So yes, a sense of mission and purpose, but please do the inner work first to, to uh, look at your shadow, to heal your emotional wounds, to look at your trauma, because otherwise you're just spreading the shit around and making it worse, right? Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, such a good point. Um, <laughs> Patty, is my mic sounding okay still? Yeah, it sounds good. Yeah. Such a good point. Uh, I couldn't agree with that more. I, one thing, and if you disagree with me, let me know. I mean, that's totally sure. fine. We can have some discourse here, but um, one thing I would say is you said, do the work first. And I would say that our mission and purpose is so important that you need to get on a path towards doing something that lights your soul mm. on fire, that makes you feel totally. valuable. So you could do them at the same time. So I would say at the very least, dive into things and something that makes you feel alive and, and, and that makes you feel like you're contributing, but do the work as well. And that is just as important because you're so right. I mean, where our focus goes, energy flows and where we focus, it expands. And like, again, it, it's, it's the black lives matter thing is, is, is a very risk, like risky topic to talk about, especially as a white male, but like, it's a really good example of like, Sometimes I quite look, man, I'm all for like racism is ex extremely toxic. We have to progress in this area and continue to. And it, we're not 100% there, even though we've progressed a lot. But man, like, you know, sometimes I see some of what social justice warriors are doing. And I'm, I'm questioning to myself, like, is this, this may actually be making things worse. I don't think yeah. we've actually seen color more at least in my lifetime than we do now. And someone, yeah. you know, it's complex because someone might say, well, we need to expose things so that we can unpack it and, and progress, but like where your focus goes, energy flows. So I think that, you know, we got to fight love or sorry, we got to fight hate with love, not hate with hate kind of things so yeah. to your yeah. point. If you're a social justice warrior and you have all these toxic beliefs and patterns inside, you're probably going to fight hate with hate. And I don't think that's the solution. Um, mm. I think the best way to lead is by example. Yes. Uh, thank you for correcting me. You're totally right. And I agree with you. Um, doing the inner work in, in unison and harmony with living your life purpose is definitely, and that's definitely been the path for me. Like, um, you know, when I transitioned out of that full identity crisis, I was referring to earlier, you know, I was the, the question I was asking is like, how can I be of most service? How can I live with purpose on purpose? And the first thing I was drawn to is, uh, was alcohol was a major part of my life and I quit drinking. So I was like, okay, well maybe I'll help 
other people quit drinking. That doesn't mean I was fully healed and, you know, gone through all my shadow at that time, but I had progressed to a place where I could help other people. So you're totally right. Um, continue to do the work and pursue your purpose at the same time, I think is more accurate. Um, and then just what you're just talking about, about social justice warriors, we're in a culture war and a narrative war. So anything that can be weaponized will be weaponized, right? So even if it is uh, something like racism or Black Lives Matter, it's going to be weaponized by people who want to continue the culture war or the inf- information narrative, right? The narrative warfare. Yeah, it, it's like um, like feminism is a good thing. Another risky topic for a white male to talk about, but hey, I'm, I'm not playing it safe anymore. But, you know, it's like <laughs> feminism. Some people think that the answer to feminism, which, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, is just to empower women and, and to fight for equality and rights. Um, is the, some people think that the answer to that is to demonize men. Mm. And it's like, that's not, you know, no, how, that doesn't that's work. not the solution that doesn't work. You know, one thing I'd love to transition to, uh, Patty, that I think would be amazing uh, for the listeners to hear some of them at least, because I get this question all the time is, okay, you talk about purpose all the time. I don't know what the fuck my purpose is. Like, what, what is it? And, and I guess just the short answer, and I'd love to know, now I'm kind of turning it into my podcast, but I'd love no, to- No, this is great. I love have, it. Have exactly your, where I wanted to go. Yeah, like, look, <laughs> purpose is something that people think that we stumble upon or we find. We create our purpose and we got to go out and, and create it ourselves. Now, that's groundbreaking when it comes to purpose. But the other thing too- is like, why does our purpose have to, you know, our purpose doesn't have to be something that people will make movies about, right? And some mm. people are lucky and they find that and, and they're going to write a book one day and sure, they do these extraordinary things. But like, how about your purpose just being service and just yeah. fucking helping others in any way that you can and identifying something that you're good at that helps others and just experimenting and diving in. And then when you that doesn't work, pivot, move in a different direction. But like, you got to go out and do stuff. Don't just wait you know, around for your purpose mm. to show up in front of you. It's like, you got to kind of go out and, and create it. I've never seen the movie Eat, Pray, Love, but I'm assuming that's probably a good example of like <laughs> someone who just like midlife crisis, didn't really know what the fuck to do, but she went and take, took action. She went to India, yes. she went to Bali, she went and, you know, had, had a journey. The pattern interrupt you were talking about earlier. You have to break out of the old conditioning and the old moles. Um, yeah. So that's interesting that you brought it up and I totally agree. Um, the last guest I had on Martin Uchik, uh, it's just the episode before you, um, is a student of integral theory, and he, now he do, teaches integral relationships. So love, love relationships based on Ken Wilber's uh, integral theory. But he refers to purpose in uh, a beautiful way, a beautiful framework that I'd love to share with you here is there's three levels of purpose. And the base level is biological purpose, where your purpose is just to survive and procreate and feed yourself and you know take care of your family. And that's all of us are born with that. And many of us stay in that. It's just like, you know, we're all about sex and survival. And that's basically it and making money and sort of tuned out and unconscious, right? And this kind of maps to the unconscious to the conscious um, uh, model as well. And then beyond that is the transformational purpose where you recognize that your conditioning, like we're talking about, it's like, okay, well, I'm living unconsciously with this programming. How can I introduce a pattern, interrupt and, you know, shift it up and sort of try to heal and look at my addictions, look at my patterns. And there's ways I can get better. And that's kind of your transformational purpose. And then the final tier is the transcendental purpose where you are fully acting in, in full service of others, you know, for the, like I was talking earlier, for your best interest and the best interest of everybody at the same time. So there's an evolution that maps roughly to, you know, biological being unconscious in your, in your core beliefs and then being fully enlightened or conscious being and in your transcendental purpose. And often, and it even says in your, in your bio, you had that aha moment when you realized that your struggles and your journey to overcome addiction and mental health issues was your purpose, right? So often that's a great place to find what your purpose might be is look at what um, struggles and obstacles you've overcome in your life and then become uh, more of service to help people that might be going through the same thing, right? right? Like with me, alcohol was an obvious choice, something that I overcome that I could help other people with. So that's where I started with my transformational purpose, right? Man, I've, I love that. I, right? It's pretty I cool. Like taking notes on that. I, I <laughs> love it. So biological, transformational, and transcendental. 
Yeah, I'll send you the link to the episode before this. You should check it out. And he wrote a book about it. Uh, it's called Sex, pa- Purpose, Love. Uh, you should check it out. I haven't read it myself, but I, I did read the summary and we had a great conversation about it. Super cool guy, Martin Uchik. Amazing. The other, yeah. so I love that. I'm so glad you brought that up. Like I'm going to use that a lot. <laughs> the whole moral of the story is that it's important to break your purpose into different categories, right? Like, you know, there, there is um, a purpose that you can have. And I've battled with this, right? Because I do go out, I have a business and of course I want to strive to make money. Right. But I've battled with like, what's the purpose of that Kayla? Right. And, and, um, but you know, there's uh, in creating wealth and security, you know, you can make that, that is a spiritual, it can be a spiritual thing, just like art can be a spiritual thing. And it's like, um, and it's pleasure as well too. And it's not just sex, but it could be, you know, eating, you know, a food that causes you pleasure or creates pleasure for you. It could be doing art. It could be music. That's another area of your life's purpose. Um, and then there's your life's mission, right? Then there's relationships, right? So like, anyways, again, the moral of the story is to really dive into like, what are the different components and break down the different components of, of purpose, right? And it's yeah. not just work or career. Totally. It's, it's uh, other things. I'm so glad you brought that up because if you think about a child when they're like, okay, wh- what do you want to be when you grow up? And they're asking what you want to be, and indefinitely, or most of the time, um, the answer will be, oh, I want to be a doctor or a lawyer. And that's some kind of doing aspect tied to a macroeconomic model, right? So you're already conditioned. It's not like, okay, what, what do you want to be when you grew up? Why aren't they answering, I want to be trustworthy and honest and you know, outgoing and creative, like elements of being, not things that are doing that are going to make you money, right? So we're right at the very beginning, we're conditioned into a macroeconomic model, right? And so that essence, that connection that we were talking about earlier, where you're disconnected from your essence, you're conditioned into this system, right? And so you get drawn away from your essence and your purpose immediately. And some people never make it back, right? And so, but it is a worthy uh, pursuit and highly rewarding if you have the courage to go down this path of healing and embodying your essence and then creatively expressing it into the world. I think it's fundamental for the changes that need to happen, right? Like we we're talking about earlier, it has to start with the individual, then we start, you know, cr- uh, creating community and we do it from the bottom up. Yeah. And, and every, everything externally is just a projection of, of the internal state. Exactly. So, and on an individual level, and then on a collective level. So what we're seeing in the world right now is collective trauma played out at scale, yeah. right? So collective trauma could be wars, racism, slavery, you know, genocide. These are all things that have been um, wrought on the human species over time that we've never healed from. They just get continually unconsciously uh, push down the line ancestrally, right? Throw so each generation projects that trauma on through those, and then we just have this collective trauma over uh, hanging our entire species. And what a powerful thing! I, I mean, it's so evident, and and I think that a lot of people, when they hear something like what you just said of how we're seeing this at scale, that these traumas mm. and and just all of the bullshit, uh, you know, we're seeing it, you know. But yeah, put on blast is is what yeah. put it, and what a crazy thing to experience. But what a cool thing, you know, Patty. That like to me, that's why I feel so strongly about what I do. Because what else can I really do other than this to, yeah. to help that? If we're going to talk about solutions, like I, I, I'm not ready to to run for office. I don't think I'm ever going to want to do that. I mean, totally and. So the only other way we can do anything about it is to just get on this. I mean, this is ultimately like, I, I love this. I could do this Joe Rogan style for like three hours, but <laughs> I know we won't because people will, will fall off like crazy. But, but that's what it's all about. And that's why I feel special about what I do is because it's like, to me, this is where I find purpose is like, I genuinely think that I'm making a difference, even if it's a fraction, I still think I'm making a difference. And we live in a time where we can, you know, we never used to be able to do this. It used to be like, Mm. whatever, we'd have to write a letter to someone. And it's special that we can do this now. That's why it's 100%. I feel important. 
I feel so grateful and I totally agree with you. And I think that's fundamental to um, the changes that need to be made. We've been conditioned again, that we're powerless as individuals. Look at this mammoth government and military power and all this might corporations that we're looking at. How could I, this lonely, lowly little one individual ever affect that? It's the David and Goliath thing, right? So they've successfully um, convinced us that we're powerless and it's bullshit. It's this, this idea that we're powerless is absolute bullshit. You individually, every single one of us are incredibly powerful. We've forgotten how powerful we are. Yeah. All we need to do is remember and take control, take our power back, um, take responsibility for our own sovereignty and build that. And then we become incredibly powerful and that ripples outward, right? This, this is at the root of everything that needs to happen. Be the change that you want to see in the world. I mean, that's the 100%. most powerful thing that we can do. And you know what? I think a really powerful question that anyone listening can ask, especially if you're, you know, if you're just not where you want to be and, and you're, you you don't feel good in your own body, you don't feel comfortable in your own body is, or, or maybe you don't know if your mission is in alignment with your highest truth or purpose. Ask yourself, like, is what I'm doing in the external world, like when I take action, I make decisions on on things that align with my mission. Is it coming from a place of lack and scarcity and fear of failure, or is it coming from abundance and you know empowerment and you know adequacy service. and empathy and service and compassion? Yeah, you know, like totally. Just ask yourself that, and and it, it can hit you like a brick wall, like running into a brick wall. That's what it did for me when I, you know, back in the day when I had my, I had a different business and I just woke up one day and I'm like, I'm literally doing all of this for every single thing except for me, right? <laughs> every single one and person in my life except for me. And it was just, it was just a fear of failure. And you know what the difference would have been, Patty? And I'm, I'll get a little vulnerable here is if we were doing this podcast when I was, you know, back in my place of lack, I wouldn't have been listening to actually understand you. I would have been not even listening because I didn't even have the capacity. I would just be getting just enough information from you and I would be like itching to say my part. Right? Totally. Because 100%. it was just, it was all ego, unconsciously ego. And now my nervous system is just so much more regulated and I just am doing it from a place of like, I genuinely actually enjoy what I do and I'm taking the attention. Look, I have an ego. It's not all perfect. Trust me, but I'm not being as selfish anymore of like, Kayla, this mm. isn't about you. This is about who you're speaking to. Right. Yeah. And that's a beautiful place to come from. For sure, dude. And I honor you for doing that work. I applaud anybody who has the courage to even begin to do this work because it can be fucking painful and uncomfortable. But again, on the other side is ultimate freedom and by extension, success of the species, in my opinion. So that's why it's so, so important to do this work now. Because what's happening really is that this collective trauma that's pervasive in all society keeps us in that low vibration fear and survival mode. And guess what? You're easily controllable when you're in that survival mode. And the people that do hold the power, that have the money and are interested in more control know this. And so they can clinically identify where in your psychology to push just a little bit to make you do exactly what they want you to do, right? And that's why over the last 18 months, we've seen this just insanity of what's going on. Because first of all, people are so polarized in their base reality. There's no, there's no shared sense of base reality, right? So we can't even have conversations. And then everybody's so withdrawn into their own fear and their own ego that any little trigger is going to set them off. It's a fucking powder keg. Nothing can happen and we're being controlled and manipulated, not for our own benefit. And I really hope people can see that because this is going in a nasty direction really fucking quickly. Yeah. Like you mentioned Canada, dude, it's on, it's on a slippery slope and Oof. not going towards a good place. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. And you know, you said that you, you honor this work because it's tough and I would totally agree with you. And it's important to do the inner work while you, you know, execute this kind of work. But I want to touch on one thing that I think is so incredibly important is, you know, you mentioned it's tough to do this work. It is. It's only tough to do this work if you are really speaking your truth, 
And someone told me the other day or a while back, they're like, there's no such thing as your truth. There's only such thing as the truth. And I was like, okay, fair. But your truth, we clearly all have different perspectives of what the truth yeah, is. Yeah, I disagree with that. I disagree yeah, with I, that. I, I do. I, yeah. Objectively, I get what he was saying. But really what your truth means is we all see the world differently. So mm-hmm. whatever you believe to, to be true is your truth. And I really think, Patty, that like, it's very difficult to do this work when you're speaking your truth because it will ruffle some feathers. It will inconvenient, inconvenience yeah. some people and it will challenge people on their beliefs. And remember, like we've been talking about, people don't like to have their beliefs not be affirmed. So, totally. But I'm telling you right now, you know, I put out my video two months ago on the COVID thing and it went berserk. And, uh, you know, I'm not even being dramatic here, but particularly in my hometown, my home city, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, it was like, it was the talk of the town. It almost set a fire in the city and it was crazy and, and it erupted. And I got like this public shaming and for my, the people who disagreed, I got this, you know, campaign against me of like people starting campaigns that my account shut down and like people were getting really personal and attacking me. And it was, it was intense um, and five years ago, if I would have went through something like that, just with the public shaming and the, the attention that I got and the criticism that I got, it would have brought me to my knees. And I think I honestly would have probably been in a psych ward at a, at a hospital. Mm. I wouldn't have been able to handle it. Wow. But let me end with this. Cause I'm assuming we're probably going to wrap up here soon. I want to end with, I still believe for me, the alternative is better. And what I mean by the alternative is speaking your truth, because I would rather lie my head on my pillow at the end of the night. I don't care if everyone hates me and know that I'm speaking what I believe to be the truth. And I'm speaking in a way that aligns with who I am authentically at my core. That's what it truly is all about. And I would way rather die on that sword Everyone can hate me. That's fine. <laughs> but uh, yes, that's what I would say. Yes, I totally agree. And I think you clarified it beautifully at the end there. Your truth isn't just what you believe, because again, we, you're conditioned to believe certain things. It's when you've done the work to remove that conditioning and get down to your deepest essence, your truest self, your highest self, and express yourself from there. That is your truth, yes. because it's not influenced by other people's beliefs and value systems. It's yours that you've cultivated your own, mm. right? And that's that's the difference. And that's the difference between your truth and sort of fundamental universal truth. Uh, beautifully said, brother. Kaylor Betts, what a fucking honor this has been, dude. Thank that you so amazing, much, man. Patty. Yeah. Yeah, that Incredible. was amazing. that was really good. I could keep going forever, but we. Me too. Me we, too. Well, we'll have to yeah. have you back on, dude. You're going to be a repeat guest. No, come on my podcast, man. Like there we're you gonna, go. Yeah, we're going to do that. <laughs> there you go. Okay, I'll ask you one last question. If you were to take all of your experiences, all your knowledge and wisdom gained, and distill it down into one message or one sentence, what would it be? <laughs> oh my god, that's like picking a favorite child. I have so much. I have so much. Um, I'm going to say this. Uh, Speak your truth at all costs. Beautiful. Mic drop. Let's leave it at that. I love you, man. This has been amazing. Love you too, brother. All right, man. We'll be in touch real soon. Sweet. Kaylor Betts. Cheers, brother. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. And if you enjoyed the show, please do subscribe, rate, and review. For more information and show notes, head on over to being-podcast.com. And if you're ready to make massive changes in your life and looking for the support and accountability to make it happen, I'm currently accepting applications for my private one-to-one coaching. You can send an email to patrick at patrickcookcoaching.com. We'll see you next time. And remember, life is now. Live your being.